The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? It's show 700. 700, man. 700. Yeah, man. I'm Three years of shows, two years of doing daily. Thank you to everyone. We had our best Monday ever. Shows exploding everywhere. Thanks exclusively to you from the deepest portion of my heart and soul i really 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 sincerely deeply appreciate your support it uh, means the world to me Mm -hmm. thanks to everyone who subscribes as well that really helps our numbers a lot i know Mm -hmm. um some of you listen on the website that's cool but if you can subscribe on platforms itunes iHeartRadio, spotify our youtube channel um that really really helps so thank you so much folks i have another stack show today for you and uh hat tip to the listeners Joe, someone sent me some explosive information on an interview I missed, Ah. uh, and I had been working on a different angle from it, for those of you regular listeners to the show, but more incredible and explosive information. But I got a lot to get to before today. Okay, let's get right in. Here we go. To the show. Today's show brought to you by buddies at iTarget. We love iTarget. Folks, listen to firearm. Anybody can buy one. Anybody can fire a firearm. The question is, can you fire one accurately? Proficiency matters, especially, God forbid, you're involved in a self-defense scenario. If you're a hunter, uh, if you're a police officer, military... Or just uh, a first-time firearm owner who wants to learn how to uh, proficiently uh, fire uh, the weapon. This stuff matters. Now, one of the best ways to do that is dry firing. Dry firing is safely unloading a weapon. Check it. Check it twice. Check it three times. Lock that slide to the rear. Open the cylinder. Look. Make sure it's unloaded. Look away. Look again. Look back. Finger probe that chamber. Make sure it is, in fact, unloaded. And then, at that point, you safely dry fire an unloaded weapon. You practice your trigger pull, your sight alignment, and it is a really excellent way Uh, to get proficient fast with your weapon. Now, the problem with that is you have no idea where the round would have gone because there's no round. It's a dry fire. Well, competitive shooters dry fire 10 times more than they live fire. The iTarget system will let you take that dry fire practice to the next level. How? They will send you a laser round and a target. A laser round? What's that, you ask? It is a round that goes in the firearm you have now. You don't have to do anything with it. No special manipulations. <laughs> Joe, you make me laugh. Uh, if you have a 9mm weapon, you drop that 9mm laser round in, and you see exactly where that round would have gone. It is a terrific system. It's like a video game to learn how to use your uh, firearm proficiently, uh, which matters. Go to itargetpro.com. That's the letter, itargetpro.com. I targetpro.com promo code dan my first name for 10 percent off you will not regret it people email me about this system all the time they love it some of them can't put it down you'll be shooting the wings off a firefly at the range soon go check it out itargetpro.com promo code dan okay joe on the show notes today as you can see i have it titled well you may not be able to see that it looks like a lot of stuff it's a lot of stuff. Right. Uh, it's, I have the show title today. This can't be happening because the stuff people are sending me is so hard to believe that you're like, nah, I have to. I When you're looking at Reuters articles, Reuters, which is uh, you know, it's not a conservative uh, mainstream media outlet by any stretch. Hmm. But, you know, Reuters been around a while. When you're looking at Reuters articles, folks, and you're Googling the title of the Reuters article someone sent you to make sure it's really Reuters. Mm-hmm. That's how you know you're like, what the hell's going on here? Now, what happened? Yesterday, Sean Hannity, disclosure here, I know Sean Hannity. He is not my attorney. Um, And I feel like Sean Hannity should have the right to have an attorney. But that's a whole different story. I know Sean. I would go to bat for Sean any day of the week and twice on Sunday. I love this guy. He is a... 
I, I'm like, he wouldn't even be comfortable with me telling you the kind of stuff he does for people behind the scenes mm. because that's not the kind of guy he is because unlike liberals, he doesn't seek public praise, okay? Sean is an unbelievably good-hearted man. Again, the, Joe knows some of the stories because I've mm-hmm. talked about this stuff this guy does. He's just an amazing guy, okay? Sean is under ruthless attack by people on the left because of some advice on a, what real estate matter he sought from a guy who happened to represent Trump. This is, keep in mind, Sean probably has, what did he say, eight different attorneys. This is not a guy who he's had on retainer or anything like that. So now we know on the left, Joe, if you even call an attorney. Joe, you and I, right? We know people that have come in and out of the radio station, other places. Hey, you, you see a lawyer, you go, hey, what do you think about this? Now, yeah. all of a sudden, if you do that, you run the risk by tyrannical police state fascist liberals of being exposed in court as some kind of a co-conspirator in a fake crime you made up. Dude, that is the most insultingly stupid non-story that I think I have ever heard in my life. He has a lawyer. Imagine that. I don't I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on right now with the left, but I sent out a tweet this this morning and I meant it on Twitter. Um, Things we can no longer do as conservatives. Remember, Hillary can bring her friend, Cheryl Mills, who is not her lawyer, into a meeting acting as her lawyer, while Cheryl Mills is a potential co-conspirator in the email scandal to cover up for Hillary on the email scandal. Well, they still haven't released all the emails, and that's A-OK. But you make a phone call to a guy who happens to be an attorney, and he asks him for some quick legal advice, and all of a sudden, you're involved in a federal Russian conspiracy case that doesn't exist. This is amazing what's (laughs) happening right now. Things you can't do. Anymore as a conservative. Talk on the phone, as Mike Flynn found out. You can't talk on a college campus, as Ben Shapiro found out. You can't hire an attorney, as Sean Hannity found out. You can't file a tax return, as Donald Trump found out. You can't own a business, as cake makers in Oregon found out. These are all things you can no longer do when you're a conservative because of tyrannical fascist police state liberals. This is it. Soon it'll be, you'll no longer be able to purchase a firearm either if liberals get their way. Folks, these people, do you understand these people are tyrannical fascists? Now listen to me, because I'm getting a lot of emails about this too, and I don't want to keep reiterating old shows. I'm not trying to unnecessarily pique your emotion early in the morning for some of you listening to this on the West Coast. But I'm getting a lot of emails still from people who are saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. You know, this fight, it's over. I don't see anything coming out of this. Folks, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not here for, I'm not, I'm not like an inspirational public speaker, motivational guy. It's not my job here. But I'm here to tell you that being right, if you, let me, let me just leave it at this and I'll move on because I don't want to get into one of those rants again, really. That speaks for itself and you can go back and listen to the dance episode that everybody seemed to love. Mm-hmm. If you believe this is it, this, you know, pain-ridden world of suffering and hunger and pain and, and, and envy and greed and lust and rage. And if you believe this is it, that you're going to go six feet deep and become worm food and it's all over, then you're right. Forget it. Uh, it is over then. It is over because that's it for you. That's it. This is it for you, Joe. Your meat, your meat will rot one day and that's it. Your brain will go away and there was nothing, there was no purpose to this other than to fight a political fight where you believe you clearly lost. I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to insult anybody. I just don't have any words of inspiration for you if you believe that. If you believe, however, what I believe, that you have been put on this planet to fight for a set of principles and rights that actually matter, 
then you are doing what you, absolutely what you were supposed to do. And that doing is the ticket in your path to the second creation, a better tomorrow. A better tomorrow that, depending on what religion you believe in, means a bunch of different things. I know what it believes, what, I, what, what it matters to me, and what I believe in. Your sole purpose here is to fight back. That's it. We live in a very prosperous time. That starvation and, and hunger are relatively rare, comparatively speaking, to our history. You know, even if you're poor in the United States, a lot of people have access to television, air conditioning. I'm not saying there's not poor people. I'm just saying, relatively speaking, being poor now sucks a whole lot less than it did 200 years ago, where the potential for death and starvation was very, very real. This is the fight. This is the fight. We're all in it. I'm in it yesterday. Joy Reid now. Joy Reid, I, I, she took a shot at NRA TV claiming false victimhood status, going right back at her. This is my fight. Don't get disappointed. Relish in the fact that you are here to suffer for a bigger and higher cause. Love it. Own it. Be it. This is it. This is the mission. All right. Moving on, because this is important. I have a lot to get to today, material-wise. Reuters, September 21st, 2013 story about George Soros' wedding. You're probably thinking right now, what the heck does that have to do with Sean Hannity being attacked uh, by the left? Now, just to set the story, in case you missed the Sean Hannity part, which I doubt because it was everywhere, Sean Hannity sought... Uh, some legal advice on a matter. I, I don't know if he said it was a real estate matter or something from the lawyer who represents Trump, whose office was unbelievably raided by Bob Mueller. This is Trump's personal attorney, a guy named Michael Cohen. So Sean had done some, uh, asked him for some real estate advice on uh, some legal advice on something. A judge in a court on the Cohen case revolving Trump and um, Cohen and the Stormy Daniels payment. So we're following here, Joe, and it stopped me if I confuse anyone, right? All right. The judge on the case demanded, and what I've I've never I never heard anything like this in open court, that the judge disclose instead of just asking for a private sealed memo on who Cohen's other clients were. In order for this is what you have to understand, Cohen's trying to prove Trump's lawyer that he's an actual attorney and that he gives legal advice and that he's not just a business partner with Trump. You got that? Mm-hmm. Now, why would he be trying to do that, Joe? Cohen is trying to do that to claim that there's attorney-client privilege in his communications with Trump. In other words, I'm not acting as some kind of fixer or business guy. I'm Trump's actual attorney. I practice law, and I have other clients. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. In order to do that, he is that he put out who his other clients were. Mm-hmm. One was this other RNC donor who's got some issues with a payoff to some Playboy playmate. Listen. Lawyers, <laughs> lawyer, folks, newsflash, lawyers usually find people who need legal help. This shouldn't be surprising to anybody, okay? But he had another client as well, or he'd send court, and instead of keeping it sealed, there was no reason to make this public, the judge in the case demanded that in open court, he tell everyone, Cohen, the name of that third client who he had provided some type of legal advice for. Who was the client? Sean Hannity. Is this making sense, Joe? Yeah. The judge makes the uh, Cohen in open court announce who his third client is. Something I, I, I've never heard anything like this. There may be. Email me if you say I've, I've never seen anything like this. Who is the judge, Joe? Let me go back to the reference I opened up with. Reuters, September 21st, 2013. George Soros and a woman last name of Bolton 
They get married. They exchange vows, quote, in a small ceremony at Soros's Bedford, New York estate. You know who George Soros is, folks? Yeah. Liberal billionaire donor and, uh, and, 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 and funder of just about every far left cause you could probably dig up on the planet, George Soros. Who do you think was the judge? Because it was his third marriage, Soros. Who do you think was the judge? who presided and officiated at this non-denominational wedding, according to the piece. Oh, the same judge who ordered Hannity's name to be disclosed in open court, despite the fact that he was just seeking some legal advice. Yes, the same judge, Kimba Wood. Yeah, Kimba, that's right. Did you know this? I had this sent to me, and I'm like, this can't possibly be true. Now, Kimba Wood should ring a bell for others who are a little... uh older here Kimball Wood was also going to be a nominee for attorney general by who William Jefferson Clinton old Bill folks this oh my gosh I can't keep telling you how much this case the rot emanating from this entire disaster Kimball Wood Kimball Wood a federal judge who could have been the attorney general under Bill Clinton there was some nanny issues during that whole um <coughs> excuse me nanny gate affair Also the judge who officiated at the wedding ceremony of George Soros, liberal philanthropist, if you can even call it that, who donates hundreds of millions of dollars to liberal causes, demands an open court that the name of Sean Hannity be disclosed, despite the fact that Sean doesn't keep this guy on retainer, according to Hannity himself. He just asked him for some legal advice on a real estate thing. So just remember, folks, if you're in business, if you're in content production, anything from this point on, if you even ask... Joe, I'm just wondering. Yeah. You know, you've asked... uh, Is it Philip? Not Philip. What's the guy, the lawyer at CBM? Oh, Michael Friedman. Friedman. Maybe we should. Folks, one time Joe asked a lawyer at Uh WCBM when we and Joe were working out a deal. Joe asked him for some quick legal advice. Let me let's just put that out there, Joe. In case in the future, someone investigates someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew an attorney who knew this guy. This is ridiculous. I'm in trouble now. We're all in trouble. No, we are. There's, There's things we just can't do anymore. Because liberal, tyrannical, police state fascists are taking the country over bit by bit by bit by bit. And by the way, the way they get you to not pay attention is the way Joy Reid did it yesterday with us. She's slick, but she thinks we're not onto it. What she does is she's like, they make things up. Despite the fact, I'm not going to play the cut of me because I hate playing, playing cuts of myself, but Reid attacked us the, at NRA TV. So on my 5.30 p.m. show at night at NRATV.com, uh, if you want to check it out, I fought right back. She was insinuating that when my, one of my friends uh, and co-workers at NRATV, Grant Stinchfield, mm-hmm. when he said that, hey, Joy, we're watching you. We're watching your show. Oh, Snowflake, that was an incitement to violence. Joe, they're <laughs> watching us. Oh, Snowflake <laughs> culture, safe space, color forms, crayons, markers. We got to draw something. Oh, yeah, it's pathetic. So I hit her back. I'm like, you're so weak. It's pathetic. And I specifically said my thing. Don't mistake this for a call to violence, an incitement to violence, or an insinuation of an incitement to violence. We're simply saying you guys are weak. You're so weak. It's so pathetic. You attack people, which is what you do endlessly. And the minute people fight back like I do on this show and on my NRE TV show, what do you do? They're inciting violence. Mm-hmm. They're inciting violence. Grow up. Grow up, Joy. Grow up. You're hapless. It's pathetic. It's weak. Now, next will be the race card and other identity politics attacks. That It's inevitable. 
because that's yeah. all they have. You're weak. I have no respect for weakness. None. You guys are weak. And I insinuated that they should embrace Spartan culture, the skin in the games culture, because I was reading a book by Taleb, and not, in fact, snowflake culture. In other words, you comment on other people having no skin in the game yourself. You're a media commentator, Joy. You failed to understand the analogy because you're really not that bright. I had skin in the game. I was a secret service agent. I'm a business owner. I was a police officer. You don't have skin in the game. You sit there on your perch at MSNBC. You hurl nonsense. The NRA's got blood on its hands. Oh, uh, you nonsense. And then when people fight back, oh, oh, I'm being attacked. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. Pathetic and weak. And I applaud Hannity last night for hammering away last night on his show. Hammer away. The only way to fight these people is taking a full frontal battle attack. Oh my gosh, are we inciting violence again? Let me be clear for all the liberal dopes out there who don't understand. My faith matters to me. This is not a joke. You bet. I abhor violence outside of self legitimate self-defense. I abhor violence. If you'd listen to the show, you'd understand that. The fact that I'm a big guy, 6'1", 225, and I may look scary to you means nothing. My faith matters to me. Your faith doesn't matter to you. You know how I know that? Because you slay uh, infants in the womb and you love it. It doesn't matter to you. Abortion's like a sacrament for you guys. It matters to me. I'm suggesting to you that in an ideological fight, idea, look it up, ideological fight. You may want to Google that. That if you think for a second we are not going to fight back, you are out of your minds. And I applaud Sean for fighting back last night. All right. I got a, I've got a ton to get to, including a hat tip to the listener who pointed me in this direction. This is going to really scramble your eggs. Before we get to it, let me get this stuff uh, done administratively so we can roll through it um today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse nutrition hey thanks to everyone who's been supporting this company they've been with me from the beginning they are a really really terrific fantastic uh, nutrition science comp- uh, company they put out some of the best nutritional supplements on the market yesterday i talked about dawn to dusk today i want to talk about field of greens field of greens is their fruit and vegetable powder but it's real food that's the difference there are a lot of fruit and vegetable uh powders out there mixes and what they do is they take extracts joe this is real Real food. Yeah, man. Real food. They take some of the finest quality fruits and vegetables out there. Stuff that's going to be hard for you to eat every day. Blueberries, raspberries, all kinds of stuff. You're like, oh, I love that stuff. It's easy to get. All right. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can. Sometimes it's hard to get fresh stuff. They grind it up. They put it in a nice wonderfully tasting fruit and vegetable powder. It's like fruit and vegetable insurance. People go crazy over this stuff. Matter of fact, one guy complained because he couldn't get enough of it when Brickhouse was running low on supply. <laughs> and Brickhouse took care of him because Miles is good like that, the owner of the company. Field of Greens, I take it twice a day. It is absolutely terrific. It tastes incredible. It is your fruit and vegetable insurance. And everybody knows the key to a long, healthy, productive life is copious, uh, voluminous co- uh, consumption of fruits and vegetables. Go give it a shot. BrickhouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickhouseNutrition.com slash Dan. BrickhouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Uh, the Field of Greens. And if uh, you need the link, it's on my email list. If you join my email list, it's also on my website in multiple spots. So thanks, uh, Brickhouse. Okay. So I get an email. I had been talking about Eric Prince and George Nader the other day. Um, I promise you I'll make this make sense, so don't worry. But 
Eric Prince, who is the brother of Betsy DeVos, Trump's education secretary, and uh, has been a pretty strong supporter of some conservative education causes over the years, DeVos, that is. Mm-hmm. Eric Prince, uh, who used to own Blackwater, has always been a target of uh, the left. They just don't like the family. They don't like him. Blackwater's always been a target. Now, I'm pretty sure he's, he's divested his interest from that company. But what's fascinating about Eric Prince is he's a very well-connected guy. Now, I had told you, and in, in my, in my, uh, and I haven't told Joe any of this because I want to make sure he understands it at the end. Right. Last week, that Mueller was the one guy appointed, Bob Mueller, and the special counsel to do one thing: that is to focus relentlessly and endlessly on the Trump team connections, and to pick out people that may be connected to the Clintons in some nefarious activity, but focus on their connections to the Trump team. In other words, this, is a, this was a setup the whole time mm-hmm. in order to hide uh, the Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton empire of sleazy activity and Obamagate spying. The whole role of the Mueller team was to focus on people who may have slightly connected with the Trump sphere, but who were implicated in the Clinton sphere, too, and focus exclusively on Trump to keep the attention off the Clintons. Mueller was the guy to do that. I made the case in Friday and Thursday and Friday's episode last week that it's it's indisputable to me at this point. Now, yeah. Eric Prince has become a target of Mueller because of a meeting in the Seychelles. And remember, Prince, just so you understand the, the connection to Trump, and I'm using air quotes because they'll, they'll connect anyone to Trump, but the connection to Trump is Prince's sister, Betsy DeVos, is Trump's education secretary in his cabinet. Does that make sense, folks? Yeah, yeah. Prince had a meeting in the Seychelles. Now, in order to advance this Russian collusion false narrative, this has become a target of the Mueller investigation, this meeting, before Trump took office. Because at this meeting was a guy named George Nader and a Russian. Okay. Kirill Dmitriev. So, we clear on this? Mm-hmm. Prince who's tied to the Trump team through his sister, meets in the Seychelles with a Russian who's a CEO of a Russian direct investment firm, and it's set up by a guy named Nader. Wow, that's convenient. Gosh, you want a Russian collusion narrative and this Russian guy shows up? Wow, insane how that happens, right? Now, I kept wondering to myself, Prince is a, a Prince, Eric Prince, a private sister. Who cares who he met? Not, no one's alleging anything he did was illegal. Why would I kept thinking to myself, why, why, why would Prince become such a target outside of his political influence through his sister? Obviously, it's to keep the attention on the Trump team. But why Prince specifically? I have some audio here and hat tip to the listener. I had it from a few people. Uh, I think it was Bob and then Tracy. A couple people sent me this audio. I missed this. Listen to this interview. This is going to blow your mind. Eric, this is Eric Prince on Breitbart Radio with Alex Marlowe talking about, just to set this up, some information he has through his connections. This is a very well-connected guy. Some information he has. This this is a while ago, this interview, about the Anthony Weiner computer. Remember Anthony Weiner, Joe? Anthony Weiner's Huma Abedin's husband, former congressman, disgraced congressman who was um, exchanging illicit uh, texts and stuff with an underage girl. Weiner's 
spouse is Huma Abedin, Hillary Clinton's right-hand woman. They found information Huma was sending to Wiener's computer. I guess it was some kind of home computer. They found information on it, the NYPD, and in turn turned it over to the FBI because they were investigating Wiener for this sex thing activity with this underage girl. Listen to Prince's take on what they found, and maybe it'll all make sense right now why Mueller is targeting Prince. I'm going to break this up into two cuts, so play cut one. Because of Wienergate and the sexting scandal, the NYPD started investigating it through a subpoena, through a warrant. They searched his laptop and sure enough found those 650,000 emails. They found way more stuff than just the uh, more information pertaining to the, the inappropriate sexting the guy was doing. They found State Department emails. They found a lot of other really damning criminal information, including money laundering, including the fact that Hillary went to this uh, sex island with convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, Bill Clinton went there more than 20 times. Hillary Clinton went there at least six times. The amount of garbage that they found in these emails of criminal activity by Hillary, by her immediate circle, and even by other um, Democratic members of Congress was so disgusting. They gave it to the FBI and they said, we're going to go public with this if you don't reopen the investigation, if you don't do the right thing with timely indictments. <laughs> what? What? Bob Tracy, I may not have been Bob, maybe another. But the guys who sent me that and the ladies. Mm-hmm. Thank you. How did I miss that? Listen, when I miss it, I miss it. I've done my the book is coming together unbelievably well, but I missed that. I did not. I've I'd never heard of that interview before. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You have Donnie Brasco. <laughs> Oh, that was a perfect opportunity. I know. I'm full. Damn. Totally <laughs> blew it on that one. We love Joe. I'm just, this guy's the best. I, I, I put a lot of pressure on Joe with drops. I'm sorry. We have like a library of stuff. Folks, how did I miss that? Eric Prince is on Breitbart. This kid, I got, I have another cut from this. I had a, it's a long interview. He goes on Breitbart News Radio on Sirius with Alex Marlowe and says the NYPD found on Wiener's computer. Now, I can't attest to the, this, the veracity of the information here. I'm just telling you what he said because I'm trying to make a connection to why Prince would become a target of Bob Mueller. Is that clear, Joe? He says they yeah. found 650,000 emails, information about money laundering, Democrat members of Congress, uh, the Jeffrey Epstein uh, underage plane. I, I don't know if that's true. It may be. I don't know. But apparently it's so disturbed the people at the NYPD, which I have heard from sources, by the way. Remember, I said this the other day, that they were going to go public, that that's why Jim Comey came out and gave that press conference about reopening the Clinton investigation 10 days out. It was to protect Hillary, not to hurt her. Well, why? You give a press conference 10 days out or you, you release a letter saying you're reopening investigation. They had no choice. Listen to what Prince is saying. I've heard this from another completely independent source that the New York field office of the FBI and the NYPD were so disturbed 
by what they saw in this. I just said this to you last week, that they were going to do their own thing. So Comey takes it, Joe. Are we clear on this? And says, hey, yeah. I'm going to do my own press conference. At least I can kind of spin the narrative my way to protect Hillary. Mm-hmm. Did you hear what he just said about what they found on this thing? Now, it gets better. Again, we're trying to make the point that this is why Prince may be now be a target of Mueller. I'm going to take it down the rabbit hole even further. This is going to really freak you out. Listen to what he says now about how the Justice Department in D.C. and Loretta Lynch was so horrified at what may have been on that computer implicating the Democrats and Hillary Clinton right before an election on Anthony Weiner's perv computer that they needed something to get people to stop talking. So listen to what Prince alleges about what the Justice Department, Loretta Lynch's Justice Department, did to the NYPD and the uh, New York field office of the FBI to get them to shut their pie holes about this. Play that cut. The NYPD wanted to do a press conference announcing the warrants uh, and the additional arrests they were making in this investigation, and they've gotten huge pushback to the point of coercion from the Justice Department, with the Justice Department threatening to charge someone that had been unrelated in the uh, the accidental heart attack death of Eric Garner, the guy, uh, almost two years ago. What? Listen. <laughs> Do you understand what you just heard? That the Justice Department under Let- or Loretta Lynch was engaged in a coercion campaign to stop the NYPD from going public about negative information they found on Anthony Weiner's computer about the Clintons and the Democrats. Damaging, destructive information, according to Prince. Again, I can't authenticate the veracity of that. I do. I have not heard that independently from the NYPD. I want to be clear. I'm just suggesting to you that this, that the what Prince said, regardless of the veracity of it, clearly right now makes him a target for Bob Mueller. And says to me, is this true? Mm -hmm. That they were... The Justice Department... Let me break down what he said because you may not be familiar with the case. There was a guy in New York. He was selling uh, Lucy cigarettes, untaxed cigarettes on a corner. Eric Garner. He was a big guy, six foot plus, uh, 400 pounds. Uh, He was a black male. The officer was white that approached him. The store owner called the cops and basically wanted Garner removed from the front of the store. He was selling untaxed cigarettes. The guy didn't want Garner doing it in front of his store. The officer shows up. uh, A scuffle ensues. There is a a chokehold involved. Garner winds up winds up dying of a heart attack later on. Now, what happened in the case? They blame the officer for you know for for an unnecessary use of force scenario. But the Justice Department was looking into this. What Prince is alleging here is very serious. Prince is alleging that the Justice Department was threatening the NYPD, like, "Hey, we're going to look into this," and he specifically says, "And charge someone on this." If you guys don't make this thing go away. Oh, my. If His source is right. Do you understand the bombshell released on how this hasn't been widely distributed? I don't know. I did not hear this. I missed it. While discussing Prince and Nader. Now, does it make sense why he would become such a target for the Mueller campaign if what he said was, in fact, true? The Mueller special counsel. Shut him down. Protect the swamp. Defend the crown no matter what. Shut him down. 
we can't have this guy out there talking about what they found on that computer. Shut him down. Now, in light of what I discussed last week, let's review that information in the context of what you just heard. Prince, on Breitbart News Radio, releases incredibly damaging information about a Justice Department quid pro quo to make damaging information on Hillary go away or allow them to control it. What happens to Prince? Prince shows up at a meeting in Seychelles. At that meeting is a guy named George Nader. Let me just describe to you quickly. So keep in mind, Prince is at the, he's at, this is December, uh, excuse me, at, he was at a couple meetings, one in December, another. But Nader is at a meeting with Prince in the Seychelles and sets up this meeting with this Russian. I'm going to get to him in a second. Mm-hmm. But this is from a Dan Abrams' Law and Crime. I'm going to read to you a piece about Nader. Nader, keep in mind, is cooperating with the Mueller investigation, potentially against Prince. Quote, Nader is widely believed to have orchestrated a December 2016 meeting at Trump Tower during which Mike Flynn, Jared Kushner, and Steve Bannon met with Bin Zayed. Nader is also believed to have organized a controversial meeting in the Seychelles during which Eric Prince and others, including Camille De- uh, Kirill Dmitriev, chief executive of the Russian De- Direct Investment Fund, met with Bin Syed. Earlier this month, Nader began cooperating with Mueller's investigation. Thursday's report suggests Nader may be done cooperating. According to the report, it would appear Mueller's witness sought to exit the United States after the Atlantic earlier this month reported Nader had been indicted, though not convicted, on child pornography charges in 1985. Mueller's using an indicted but not convicted potential uh, charge, a guy who was charged with child pornography to cooperate against Eric Prince about a meeting in the Seychelles after Prince you know, Prince, who, who they may have known at the time, Prince had all this information in his head and may have had good sources about the Wiener computer. Folks, why do you think I titled today's show, This Can't Be Happening? The Hannity thing with the judge? I read Kimball Wood. I'm like, this can't be real. This Reuters article has to be fake. Prince? So you're saying to me Prince is the subject of a Mueller investigation after Prince went on a radio station and talked about damaging information on a computer that the NYPD knew about and that the Justice Department was trying to threaten and and, and engage in a coercion campaign against the NYPD. All of a sudden, he becomes the target of an investigation by Mueller. Oh, and by the way, the cooperator in it is George Nader. You may say, well, why would we care about George Nader cooperating? Who's George Nader's attorney? You remember? George Nader's attorney is the fixer. Remember the fixer? Mm. Kathy Rumler. Mm -hmm. Who's Kathy Rumler? Kathy Rumler was Barack Obama's White House counsel. Kathy Rumler was intimately involved in just about every single Barack Obama controversial potential scandal. The IRS, Benghazi, Solyndra, Rumler was, Google it, Rumler, R-U-E-M-M-L-E-R. 
Kathy Rumler, IRS. Kathy Rumler, Benghazi. Kathy Rumler, Secret Service. Kathy Rumler, Solyndra. Google it. She was the fixer. Now she's representing a guy who set up a meeting between Prince and some big-time Russian investor. She's representing him. The fixer's back. Protect the swamp at all costs. Defend the crown. Defend the crown. You need to say it in almost an authoritative, you know, horrible English accent. I I read this. I I heard that clip and I'm like, I, I can't believe this. It is so obvious what's going on. If we had even a remotely semi-transparent and fair media, Joe, this would be the scandal of, of not only the century. This would be the biggest scandal since, uh, you know, we, we transformed from Australopithecus Africanus into Homo sapiens sapiens. Yep. Mueller's after the guy who claims to have sources about a cachet of horrendous information about the Democrats and Hillary Clinton and about a quid pro quo between the Justice Department and a a, a coercion campaign against the NYPD. Just all another coincidence, folks. Now, it gets better. Better? Who was at, he does, believe it or not. Who was at the meeting set up by Nader? Remember, Nader's represented George Nader, the guy who sets up the meeting between Prince and the Russian in the Seychelles. Nader's represented by Obama's attorney. Nader sets this meeting up with a Russian guy, Kirill Dmitriev. By the way, if I show up dead somewhere, <laughs> get a start a GoFundMe for my wife. I'm just kidding. I don't want to be dramatic, but this is like, this is the kind of freaky deaky stuff. I read it. I'm like, this can't be real. Who was at the meeting? Kirill Dmitriev, who is the CEO of the Russian Direct Investment Fund, a sovereign wealth fund Putin uses to engage in investment activities to the benefit of the Russian state. Kirill Dmitriev is his guy. Now, who represented and are principals in a firm that represented the Russia Direct Investment Fund? Let me read from you from a left-leaning website. And by the way, these links will be in the show notes today at the bottom. Subscribe at Bongino.com. I will send them right to your inbox. If not, go to the website. Read these links. They are killer. Nader, represented by Obama's lawyer, sets up a meeting between Prince and a Russian. The Russian, Dmitriev, Kirill Dmitriev, works for the Russian Direct Investment Fund. Here's a quote from a Salon.com piece, far-left website, about who represents the Russian Direct Investment Fund. In his report on the Clinton machine's ties to Saudi Arabia, Isakov, Michael Isakov, who's a writer at Yahoo right now, also notes that two of the Clinton lobbyist bundlers, Richard Sullivan and David Jones, are principals and affirm that until late last year, Represented the Russia Direct Investment Fund, a sovereign wealth fund co-founded by Vladimir Putin when he was prime minister. Are you freaking kidding me? This is Salon. This is not Conservative Review, 
Breitbart. No, I mean, we're more than credible. I'm just telling you, this is not some political. This is a left, far left. Salon is like kooky left. Mm-hmm. Reporting that two Clinton bundlers, let's reverse engineer this, two Clinton bundlers that raised money for the Clintons are principals in a firm that represented a Russian fund, a Russian fund headed by a CEO, Dmitriev, who met with a guy who had dangerous information about the Clintons in, a, in the Seychelles that was set up by a guy who is now represented by Obama's lawyer. Here, here. I got the hook in my mouth here. This actually happened. Let me say that again so you don't have to listen to the show twice today. I'm trying to save you the effort. A guy named Eric Prince who has is on radio publicly. This is, you can read, you hear it yourself. You just heard it on the show. Stating he has incredibly damning, damaging information on sources about a, a coercion technique by the Department of Justice to make bad information on the Clintons basically go away. A guy who says he has negative information is being investigated by Bob Mueller for a meeting set up by a guy who's represented by Obama's attorney with a Russian who was represented by two Clinton bundlers. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Did they, is it, huh? Joe, is this, are you getting this? Yeah, 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 I'm getting it. Like a, Now, please explain to me again after I've explained to you the Emin Agalarov contact, the Sergey Milian contact, the Alexander Downer contact. How this was not a setup, how this was not an, an operation to frame Trump from the beginning. This is all coincidence that everybody who contacted the Trump team or someone in the Trump orbit has a connection to either a Clintons or the Obamas. Everyone. Everyone. Alexander Downer. Oh, I met with Papadopoulos. I have information. Oh, by the way, I signed a memorandum of understanding transferring $25 million to the Clinton Foundation when I was working for the Australian government. Oh, oh gee, no conflict of interest there. The Agalarov kid. Hey, Don Jr., we need to set up a meeting about negative information on Hillary with a Russian. Who shows up? The exact same Russian working for Fusion GPS working for Hillary. Milian, who works for, who uh, talks with Papadopoulos and, and is, uh, by some reports, the founder of the Golden Shower story. Milian, oh, by the way, his stuff winds up in the dossier through Steele about the Golden Shower story, and he's connected to Papadopoulos, who started or initiated, according to the New York Times, the investigation. Explain to me again how this guy wasn't set up and framed from the start. With a straight face, do it. The guy's represented by Obama's lawyer who set this meeting up. And he sets the meeting up with a guy who is represented by a firm where two Clinton bundlers work? This is insane. Yeah. But this actually happened. Joe, the Joe Biden information yesterday. Mm-hmm. Did Joe Biden know about this? Remember, the, Joe, the connection on yesterday's show, if you missed it, was the Ukraine connection. This is, to, this is a different one. Oh, man. Every day I wake up hoping and praying that I get this information across to you in a coherent fashion. And, you know, I, know, I, I, I get it. Some, some of you don't need it explained a couple times within the show, but some do. It's important you understand what we're talking about here. Mueller's investigation... And I'm going to leave it at this because I, want, I got other stuff I want to get to. Mueller's investigation, ladies and gentlemen, is a smokescreen. Mueller is the one guy connected deeply enough to the swamp to protect the crown at all costs. 
Obama's lawyer, Rumler, who's representing the guy that set up this meeting with Prince. Rumler knows Mueller. Mueller had a role in selecting her for the Enron Task Force, where she worked with Andy Weissman. Mueller's number two on the special counsel. Mueller knows Rumler. Obama's lawyer, who's representing the guy who set up this meeting with the guy who has bad information about the Clintons. They worked with Weissman. Weissman is the number two guy in the special counsel who is ruthlessly targeting Trump. They worked, she worked with him. Now she's working to cooperate with Mueller for, with, on a, with a guy a, with a shady past who set up a meeting with another guy who has information about the Clintons and none of this bothers anyone? Where is the media? My gosh, where is the, you know, Woodward and Bernstein of our time? These two, Woodward, who's, who's who, you know, these guys, who uh, Woodward, I, I don't know which one of them, they've lost their minds. Like, where are they now? We had a break-in at the Watergate. All right, yes, Nixon had to go. But it was a break. Do you understand, like, this is a, how many civil rights are being thrown out the window to cover for the Clintons in this? Oh, my gosh. All right. I want to. I got another. On a little bit of a lighter note, because these things upset me. I got a really yeah. good story. It's good and bad about education. That's. I think you're going to find interesting. I. I've been debating when to fit this in, but Matt Palumbo, my resident debunker, gave me a good. Uh, you know, good reason to do it. All right, today's show finally brought to you by our buddies at Filterby. They wrote this ad themselves, which really I love. These guys, they're the best. It's spring cleaning time, and like Trump is cleaning out corrupt officials, you can clean up the air you breathe and make your HVAC system great again. <laughs> Filterby, I love these guys and folks don't procrastinate otherwise dust pollutants mold allergy aggravating junk will clog up your system it becomes inefficient it'll cost you a lot of money sounds like the federal government clean up your system with my friends at filter by america's leading provider of hvac filters for homes and small businesses you got 100 filters in your small business these are your guys you got a couple in your house they're your guys too they carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all shipped free within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in America. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options all the way up to hospital grade. So you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your HVAC system. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, and you'll never have to think about air filters again. That's the way to do it. Save money. Save time. Breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com. FilterBuy.com. Thanks, FilterBuy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I read a really terrific uh, piece the other day in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it was covering a guy in his new book. I've been named Brian Kaplan with a C. Now, I had heard Kaplan before on a podcast I listened to, Econ Talk by Russ Roberts, which is, which is uh, really terrific. It's a weekly. It's not a daily, but it's very good. Um, and he, he was on Kaplan and the title of his book, uh, is the case against education. Now I didn't say that wrong. Not the case for it. The case. Now I say that because most of us believe education is a public good. Yeah. Um, is it personal good? Is it, you know, no, you rarely, if anyone, Oh, don't get educated. He's not, by the way, the premise of the book is not, don't get yourself educated. It's against more the system than how the system is set up to, Reward individuals, but not reward society at large. It is a fascinating piece of work. The premise of it being 
that education right now, the system, the college system, Joe, is more about signaling than skills. And if I'm saying this wrong, Brian, uh, while we're promoting your book here, please feel free to come on uh, as a guest. I'd be happy to do a Saturday show with you where we do an interview. But his case is that it's about signaling, not skills. Now, I want to give you an interesting analogy I heard him make that blew my mind. Matter of fact, when I, just to show you how powerful this analogy is, when I said this, Joe, to my wife, initially, mm-hmm. I go, you know, this. I just listened to a fascinating lecture where the guy was saying that how the education system, specifically the higher education system in the country, is set up to benefit people monetarily, but really doesn't benefit anyone's skilled or society in general. She goes, oh, that's crazy. Education's really great. Um, But I said to her, I go, Paula, listen to the analogy the guy gave to show to you that this is about signaling how smart you are, not necessarily how smart you are. Gotcha. Would you rather, Joe, if you were in a job interview, Mm -hmm. would you rather have the diploma from an Ivy League university with no skills whatsoever conferred by that diploma in an interview, in a job interview, Or would you rather have a body of really serious skills in that job interview, but no diploma at all from an Ivy League university? I'd rather have the skills. You'd be wrong because you wouldn't even get in the job. That's the point. I'm actually glad you answered honestly. You Mm -hmm. would be wrong. Yeah, really. Because you can't even apply for the job without the damn diploma, so you'd never get in the interview. That's the point. Most people who answer that question, see, you you know what it is? You're in a skills-based business. You have to deal with all these Mm. complex... When Joe, he... When you go to apply for a job, the point the guy's making is that the diploma, not the skills is a signaling device to show that, yes, you went through the college process, you went through, you know, you, you were willing to accept the rigors of it every day mm-hmm. and to study, but very few people actually believe that the college diploma anymore confers the actual skills related to the job based on numbers. Now, some do, engineering, medicine, but when you're, I'm not knocking, I was a psychology major, so I'm not knocking people who go to college, I'm just suggesting that some of those skills, my psychology degree was mildly relevant at best to my Secret Service career earlier, and um, but not later on in my when I was doing protection. His suggestion in the analogy is most people would rather have a sheepskin diploma from Harvard, understood, with no skills at all, <laughs> rather than a body of skills and no diploma from Harvard. Looks good, yeah. You'll make more money with the damn diploma with no skills at all than yeah. you would with a body of skills and, and a high school diploma only. Yeah, it's a I was a great and I heard that I go. He's right. Now, let me just take the analogy a step further. As he does and Kaplan did. Imagine if you're on an island in the real by yourself. You're on an island in in the real world right now. You've been marooned. We've established that most people would rather have the Harvard diploma and not the skills. True. Because it's worth more to them. Right. Mm hmm. Is it worth more to you, Joe, on an island, nobody around, you're, you're, you know, Tom Hanks and Castaway, you're on your own. Would you rather have the skills to survive on that island or would you rather have a diploma from Harvard that says you have the skills to survive but not having any skills at all? What would you rather have? I'd rather have the skills. You're darn right because you'll yeah. be dead. Right. That's the right answer. Yes, you'd be dead. The point is, in the real world, when it actually matters and it's not a signaling effort to your employer, you'd rather have the darn skills because you'd be dead otherwise. But when it's the fake world of signaling 
and, and, and a new job environment where people use a diploma as a proxy for IQ tests because they don't want to be sued, that it's the diploma, not the skills that matter. That the education, that's why the book is called The Case Against Education. And that a lot of people go to school to get an education, Joe, in college that don't need it and, and it's totally not relevant to their lives. And there's a significant social cost to this. They take on hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Society subsidizes it through your tax dollars and they don't need the skills. You don't need to know about 16th century basket weaving. You want to be an electrician. What does it have to do with anything? <laughs> All it does is the diploma and why it matters to you. It signals to your employer that you may be a smart guy or gal. It doesn't signal anything else in most cases. Oh, ironically, that's just stupid. <laughs> it is stupid. The whole system's stupid. <laughs> it is. So another, here's another thing he mentions. Sorry, I had to back away from the mic there. He talks about this paradox of crowds, this crowd effect, which I brought up before on the show months ago. I forget what we were talking about. Yeah, it may sound that. familiar to it. Yeah, it's a great analogy. Yeah. How... Things that work for an individual don't necessarily work collectively or in crowds. So if you're in a movie theater, it benefits you significantly as an individual to stand up to watch the movie because you can see better. Forgetting for a second it's not comfortable to stand. Just assume like someone was giving you like a support and holding you up. You can see better, right, Joe, if you stand up. Yeah. But that doesn't benefit. So that's good for you. Standing is good for you. But it's not good for the crowd. What's good for you is not good for the gander there. Because if everybody stands up, then nobody can see. He makes this, he uses this, which is a terrific analogy in regards to the education system. How the signal of the diploma, Joe, not the skills, Mm -hmm. the signal of the diploma is worth a lot of money to an individual. So they go to college even though they don't need it. A lot of people, not all. They go to college even though they don't need it. And it benefits them. But it doesn't benefit all of us when we all go to college when we don't need it. Now he has data. I love data and I love facts. In case you think he's making this up. He says it's a fascinating little problem we found here. That yes, a college degree, Joe, will significantly benefit your income. Mm -hmm. He says, quotes one thing, upwards of 10% higher or something per year of education or something like that. Forgive me if I'm getting the numbers wrong. It's, It's a lot more than a high school diploma. But what's fascinating, Joe, is it doesn't benefit national income, meaning the income of the nation doesn't go up. So how is that, Joe? How are all these people making more money, but the country isn't? Yeah. Because that money's coming from other people. The money you're making is coming out of someone else's wallet, so it zeroes out. Mm -hmm. You know who it's coming out of? The high school graduates that would have applied for the job you applied for with a college degree but didn't need. Is that not, damn Brian Kaplan, that's genius. <laughs> so again, you're on an island. You're on an island where skills matter, not cheapskin diplomas, right? Mm-hmm. It's yep. Tom Hanks castaway. The ability to survive matters. Whether you have a diploma from college is irrelevant. Your value is if you can survive and if you have the skills. Mm-hmm. In the fake world we live in now, your value is not the skills. It's simply the diploma. So people who have the skills, Joe... To survive, get cut out of job opportunities because the job now, because they don't want to be sued by doing IQ tests, just says, oh, you need a college diploma to apply. What, for an administrative assistant job? Yeah, you need a college diploma. For what? 
What? What? Am I, it's an administrator. I'm, I'm basically answering the phones, maybe doing some light bookkeeping. Why do I need a college diploma? Because you do. That's why. Yeah. Because they don't want to be sued giving a, a, any kind of a test, an IQ test. So they just say to protect themselves, you need a college diploma. You don't need a college diploma. So what happens? That $40,000 a year now, administrative assistant job in Manhattan, that's what a lot of them pay. They pay not bad. Some of these have 40, sometimes 50. That job is now shut out to people who do have the skills to do it, who don't have a college diploma. Now you say, well, how does the money come from then? Because then? then what do they have to go? They have to go work in the McDonald's and fast food and servers in lesser paying jobs, even though they have the skills for other jobs because they're shut out because they don't have the signal. The signal is the sheepskin, even though on the island it doesn't mean squat. Genius. 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 Remember the crowd, that paradox of the crowd, right? What's good for one, one person standing up, is not good when everybody does it. So what benefits you to go, and it does. If you go to college, you will make more money. Stand up in the movie theater, it will benefit you. Go to college, it will make you more money. When everybody goes to college that doesn't need it, and job employ- and employers respond by making college a standard for your application because they can't do IQ tests and other things because they don't want to be sued, the whole country suffers because a lot of wasted assets are poured into an education system that educates people in things and skills they don't need to survive on the island. If you're on the island... You don't need a journalism degree. You need to learn how to start a fire. You need to learn how to fish. So I haven't read the book. Uh, to be fair, I only heard the econ talk thing and I've heard Kaplan. I read his interview in the Wall Street Journal. But this is a fascinating, fascinating premise that I think is worth some serious. And, and he may, you know, he, listen, he's not a he's a teacher himself. And he acknowledges the fact that by speaking out against education, he's almost putting himself out of yeah. business. Yeah. But he's honest. And he says, I'm under no illusion that the public is going to accept my premise. And he does propose solutions, Joe. Vocational schools, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- which is a good idea, I think. You know, but maybe we should have more Microsoft trains. and not worry about a diploma. You're Microsoft trained. Adobe trained people. Well, Joe does. Joe works. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the hell he does when I send a sound. He winds up cutting up the show so it sounds listenable. Half the time, I'm snorting and huffing and puffing, and you don't even hear any of that. I don't know how he does it. No, he tried to show me one time. I'm like... Mm-hmm. Forget it. I have no idea. My wife, who knows, uh, you know, internet and database design, was confused. But maybe that's what we need. Maybe you know, a sound engineer school and more of that stuff. Maybe the market, but the market is so set up and skewed toward the education government complex and funding of schools and funding of higher education and funding of student loans that he's under no illusion, according to what I heard, at least by him talking about it, that we're going to break this monopoly anytime soon. Fascinating premise, though, nonetheless. What do we get? All right. Well, we're a little short on time. Hey, folks, um, I'll cover this in another piece I had tomorrow. But do me a favor. Tune in to my NRA TV show tonight, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Don't miss it. I'm going to break this down a little bit more, this Eric Prince thing, and I'm going to have some headlines to show you. The problem with not having video here is my wife thinks it's easier to understand sometimes when there's video as well, visuals. Mm-hmm. So I'll have a couple of those. So check it out, nratv.com, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. It's also on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Google Chromecast, uh, and free at nratv.com. Go check it out. I'll see you all later tonight. 
Thanks for tuning in. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.